launch in three, two, one. Go. This is a dangerous beast that we're dealing with now. Introducing the Dog Pound Daily Podcast with your host, Andrew Sight. I must be louder. And sight expert, Stephen Kabitza. If it's a blowout, Monday's podcast is going to be a bummer. But if they win, it's going to be a party. This DJ's so funky, man. Okay, let's go. Welcome to the Friday edition of the Dog Pound Daily Podcast. I'm Andrew Sipe. With me, as always, Stephen Kabitza. After a pretty depressing Indians loss last night to the New York Yankees, we have the pleasure of coming on today to talk about the 0-5 Browns squaring off against the Houston Texans led by Deshaun Watson, who has been absolutely lights out the last two weeks. Steven, what are your thoughts about uh, this game moving forward into into week six, is it now, right? It is. Um, I'm super bummed about the Indians. Um, and I see a lot of tweets saying, oh, well, we got the Browns this Sunday. What is this? <laughs> what kind of What kind of sick world is this? But the Browns are playing. They must be covered by us. I'm not too confident because I think Deshaun Watson is a great quarterback and the Browns defense is not a great defense, but alas, who knows? It could be a win. It, it could be. <laughs> it certainly I guess could I, be. I, I could also marry an Instagram model too, but I don't think that's happening anytime soon. The Texans, I mean, even though they lost J.J. Watt and Whitney Merciless, they're just a good team. So it, from top to bottom, I mean, they're, they're still going to be better than the Browns on paper, on the field. I, I think this is a, a, <laughs> a going to be a blowout game, unfortunately. It's at that time in the schedule after when we kept saying these games are winnable. They weren't. And now it's getting to that difficult part of the year where it's, okay, we're playing some serious competition outside of the AFC North. We're not playing Josh McCown anymore. It could be ugly. This game was winnable for us like back in week two, I think. It when was. They played the Bengals when they were 0-1, on it was, yeah. oh, man, <laughs> get through the Ravens steamroll the rest of the competition playoffs now but when you're zero and five every game is oh man unless the only time it would not be is if we were playing the 49ers yeah hoyer <laughs> or the Hogan. giants because the giants are just yes the, the the browns corners can actually keep up with the receivers that the giants have the now. browns <laughs> and the giants should combine the form one terrible receiving core <laughs> a super core that being said deshaun watson looks Pretty, pretty pretty good. good and as we all know the browns passed on him at number 12 i know it's not deshaun kaiser versus deshaun watson but how do you think the browns and browns fans especially you know feel about watching deshaun watson tear it up and the browns sit here at zero and five the fact that kevin hogan is starting this week says all you need to know kevin hogan the fourth string quarterback in the preseason and throughout training camp is now the starter in week six. It was a QB-heavy draft, like I was saying. I read an article that said, oh, well, their plan was to take Mahomes. So once Mahomes was gone, that's why they traded out a Watson. It's like, well, there was no contingency plan. They just took... They could Ka- trade it up. They took Kaiser. They still wanted how- a quarterback, clearly. So let's not yeah. take one of the top three or four. Let's take a guy who has a lot more question marks. I understand the thinking that you don't want to hitch your trailer to Deshaun Watson if you're not fully confident that he's going to be a quarterback because odds are that he's he's not going to be able to do what he's doing in Houston with the Browns in this receiving core. However, 
I do think that drafting a guy that played more than what did Kaiser play 12 games in college or something like that benched last year too. Yeah. Having a guy that's won two national championships and it's just constantly put up numbers against an Alabama defense that is the, the, the gold standard of college football. It, it is a little puzzling, especially when Hugh Jackson is this quarterback guru that, that knows the traits that he wants, and it just begs the question of whether or not Sashi Brown made the pick to choose out, to trade out or that Hugh Jackson truly didn't believe that Deshaun Watson could be the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. Well, here's the crazy thing. All the traits you mentioned of Watson, now the Browns are starting a quarterback in Kevin Hogan, who had a successful college career, which clearly is something the Browns didn't care about with Watson, and now he's the starter. And it's you, you're taking a mid-level starter from college and have him going against Deshaun Watson. It's just a joke. It's, oh, well, we don't like some of the traits of Watson. Maybe he's a little too small or curious about certain parts of his game. But Kevin Hogan, you rave about. Yeah, I, I think the difference between Kevin Hogan and Deshaun Kaiser it just goes back to what I think we talked about before with just not playing that many games. And Kevin Hogan, he's 25, four years older than Deshaun Kaiser, played a lot of college or played a lot of college football. Guys like Mahomes sitting on the bench, Trubisky waiting until week four. Deshaun Watson, I think, was what week two or week one, maybe right? It was week one where Deshaun Watson came in. Yeah. I think it was week one because he played two quarters of Tom Savage and You're went right. right to Deshaun Watson. You're right. Yeah, isn't that ridiculous when teams do that? Yeah, I mean the Browns took four weeks to do it, and I think if Hugh Jackson had the decision over again and knew what what the outcome would be, that he wouldn't be playing Deshaun Kaiser week one. I mean, look at they might have even kept Brock Osweiler to start. Probably. I mean, look at obviously I don't think Kevin Hogan being the fourth string uh, <laughs> fourth string guy would have been the starter coming out of camp. But the crazy thing too, Cody Kessler still isn't going to dress. No, and it's. Is he not worthy of a look after last year? If you're if you're zero and five already, and your team is trending downward, you're trying a new starter. I believe the twenty eighth starter since nineteen ninety nine in Kevin Hogan, and Kessler's just sitting there. Probably knows the offense best. Uh, I mean, I don't think he's going to come out and light up the you know light up any defenses. But you have a guy who has starting experience on like inactive every week. I th- I just think they like Kevin Hogan more than Cody Kessler, and it, it's a testament to how bad Cody Kessler must be. I guess you know it's not. I don't think it's a knock on Kessler from the sense that like he doesn't know the offense or anything, because he may know the offense extremely well. But when you watch Kevin Hogan play, and we saw it on Sunday, he's just got a rhythm to his to his game where he knows the offense, he knows where receivers are supposed to be. It's almost like the timing is just that much better than what Deshaun Kaiser's bringing to the table and even what Cody Cody Kessler brought to the table last year because as we saw last year, it was just a, a lot of indecisiveness similar to what we saw with Deshaun Kaiser early on this year. And to clarify, this is Cody Kessler, the number one quarterback on the depth chart just a few months ago. He was the guy to beat, and everyone beat him pretty quickly. That This is where it starts to puzzle me because Hugh Jackson comes out and says that, you know, trust me, and I know his, I've heard his history before with defending the front office, regardless of what he thinks personally. But the more that like it comes out each week, it's just it seems to be that the front office is not necessarily in sync with the coaching staff in terms of picking players, in terms of starting players, in terms of I mean, pretty much everything. It seems like to this point, I feel like it's just it's just the same old thing and. We're tricked into believing it. It's like, 
I imagine if it was one of those Pennywise memes in the sewer, it'd be, hey, Sashi, we have <laughs> we have 10 fifth-round draft picks down here, and it's just him sliding down. For a really good player. <laughs> I mean, how stupid did they look? for saying that Carson Wentz isn't a top 20 quarterback and now he's a he's like four to fourth in the MVP candidate. I would like candidacy. to talk about this really quick to get your take on an argument that some people make that drives me absolutely insane is that Carson Wentz will do well Deshaun Watson will do I mean they are doing well so they do well in a game and people say oh well there's two there's two points one is well he would have done well in the Browns anyway and the second point is they dissect every minute detail about the game. It's well, Carson Wentz may be a super, may have won the Super Bowl, but I mean, is he really that good? It goes, he's better than Kevin Hogan. The worst argument that I saw in the offseason was the Pro Football Focus Carson Wentz like having the same statistics as Cody Kessler, but there's one glaring difference in that, and that's that uh, Carson Wentz won seven freaking games. And the Browns, or Cody Kessler has won zero. And the Browns, I mean, Deshaun Kaiser has won zero. Kevin Hogan's won zero. Who is the one? Is Josh McCown that, that won the game against the Chargers? No. RG3 started and Cody Kessler relieved him. Oh, my goodness. So, Art, there, we don't <laughs> Josh even have McCown a quarterback. Josh McCown never won a game as a starter with the Browns. Oh, he did. One game, Baltimore. Oh, I'm sorry. Year. You're right. But, I mean, it was, the Browns He never had, won at First Energy Stadium with the Browns. Yeah. The Browns have no quarterbacks on the roster to have won an NFL game, which is how are you supposed to function as an organization and try to win football games when you have no people in on the roster in the front office as a coaching staff that have won more than one football game? I I mean, Sashi Brown's been here forever, and we hired a lawyer as our vice president of football operations. We brought in... A guy from baseball to try Who and wasn't run a football even that team. good in baseball either. I like I like him. I like what he's done. But he, he, when he was on his own, when he left Oakland, he didn't do that great. And the frustrating thing too is that back in probably when we started this podcast, you know, we were excited about the front office. Oh yeah, we're going to get Kirk Cousins. Oh my goodness, and Jimmy Garoppolo. They hired Deep Podesta. They brought in Sashi. Like bringing in Sashi was almost like kind of keeping it, con- keeping a little bit of continuity, I, a little bit. You know, you're, you're understandably the coaches are fired, but you're keeping someone in the front office. Which now that I say it out loud is completely ludicrous. You were terrible with everyone in that front office. They should all be fired. Like there should be no promoting with from within. And I'm not going to give them Miles Garrett credit for Miles Garrett because that was a, a slam dunk. So at this point, though, we're in too deep just to fire him right now. It's like a three, four year plan. You can't because then it's just same old thing, and no one, no one wants to work here. That's see, this is everyone where wants I think Peyton a lot Manning, people, but yeah, why the heck would he want to come here? Well, my thought is if Peyton Manning comes in, he's going to clean house. Which if we get Peyton Manning. I guess I'll sit through another two, three years. But he has no, he has no credentials in player personnel. Oh yeah, I oh I know. I I mean, (laughs) make him the offensive (laughs) coordinator. Him, I I said uh, Scott McLuhan was another one, but he's at least a GM. Yeah, what? And he has a proven track record of actually selecting players that are currently still in the NFL. But if if I'm if I'm running if I'm Jimmy Haslam right now, I look at what players have done so far 
since being drafted by Sashi Brown and the fact that like 42 of the 53 have been brought in by Sashi Brown. How about the trade? How about the Wentz trade and all those guys that came along with that? He's got to be gone. Like I think, I think Jimmy and D really like Hugh Jackson, and I think Hugh Jackson is going to stay as the head coach. But I see no way after this year that Sashi Brown keeps his job. And at that point, it's either give Hugh Jackson full control of the roster, which is a lot to put on his plate for a one in twenty team. But at least for a year to see if he could do it. Exactly. Either that or work with him specifically to to put him in the hiring process of hiring a new GM because I think that's something that's been completely misguided. In the in every regime that's happened is that not only have the have the coaches been either bad, but or and the GMs have been bad, but they also have not been in sync with what the other one wants. It, it's just confusing that that we can never seem to find a GM and head coach that are on the same page. Well, football's difficult because I feel ideally the coaches have the best idea of what they want on the roster. It's not like baseball where it's hey, trust me, this guy he can hit well. Find a spot for him. Football. You, you like with Bryce Treggs, Hugh Jackson had some experience with him. He wanted him on the roster. There's so much that goes within learning a playbook, knowing a system, and then a GM just goes, "Well, here's these four receivers who all stink. Try to make it work." And he's like, "I didn't. I don't. These guys don't fit our system." And letting a letting a coach have control of the roster is a lot of work. But he wouldn't be doing it on his own. It's not like yeah. he doesn't just have a giant office. And it's like, all right, he, I'm the whole personnel staff. But you, it's like why Bill Belichick does so well. If something happens on the field or in the locker room, he makes a move. Yeah. He doesn't have to go through a GM who says, oh, we're going to keep this guy because he was a draft pick or whatever. And that's obviously tough to do. You're not going to find coaches that just want to be a general manager that, that can handle that all at one time. Because I think Hugh Jackson did handle that in Oakland. But – Again, you you run yourself into the problem of are you putting too much on your head coach to make all these decisions? And with a track record like one and twenty, I doubt that Jimmy and D would have that sort of confidence in Hugh Jackson. But I've been proven wrong before many times. One player I want to talk about, which is on the agenda, is Josh Gordon, who had oh a mini documentary come out. He did. It was quite. Uh, it was very well produced. That was my takeaway. I was like, you know, I don't know if I trust Josh Gordon, but this was a pleasure to watch. Well made. Well, it's almost like uh, someone had given him the nudge nudge to go ahead and <laughs> plead your case as to what you were doing and uh, atone for your sins and mistakes and all that. So I'm sure the NFL had some sort of agenda as to why they wanted him to to open up like this. But Well, it was on, the uninter- it was on Uninterrupted, which LeBron – and Maverick Carter run and it's just the whole point of it is you don't have to tweet stuff out you don't have to do interviews you make a video or something or an article that that's the whole point uninterrupted that no one could ask you questions during it it's just you say your point and I mean for those who didn't watch he explained everything from his past drug use the things stood out to me were he was enabled throughout his life Coaches at Baylor were helping him pass drug tests, which doesn't surprise me that school shouldn't even have a football program anymore. He went to rehab the first time as a publicity stunt, and he's been in rehab the latest time for actual rehab, which is good. But go ahead with some some more specifics. Well, I mean, just looking at here, it's, I've quote, I've used alcohol on many, many occasions, Xanax on many occasions, cocaine several occasions, marijuana most of my life codeine cough syrup methazine very prevalent where i'm from 
there, I think there was another quote in here. And excuse me while I'm trying to find it. Here it is. I was walking down the boulevard at 11:30 at nighttime, and that night in particular, I couldn't find anybody with drugs. I just began having flashbacks, remembering all the negative things that happened in my life that transpired. Like, what led up to this point? How did I get this bad? It's so dark out here. I'm all alone. What the hell am I doing? I was scared for my life. Like, you know, everyone gives Josh Gordon a lot of crap on Twitter. We just don't know what this guy's going through, but that's not an excuse to, to personally attack somebody. So it, the, the guy definitely had a problem, and, and hopefully he can get his life back on track. And that quote that you just read, you said he was on the street in Gainesville. In Florida, it was just wandering. It's, it seems like, in, well, at least in the way they presented it, that was kind of his turning point going forward where he could have slipped again. Not slipped, but slipped into drug and alcohol abuse again. But according to this, he seems like he wants to come back. And he also, another thing, he called Roger Goodell like a mentor and a friend, which is good to hear because he's the one in charge of reinstatement. And I'm sure when they meet, Goodell's like, we're rooting for you to come back. But you can't you can't let him play if he's showing up after being blacked out, which was also something mentioned in the or he showed up late to a team plane and they just told him like go home. Well, I remember that because I was like, that was the last was, game. I mean, it was the last game of the year, yeah. And they're like, oh, Josh Gordon's not playing. And then he fought. You know, we didn't know why he didn't play. We thought the Browns just held him out because he was because he would have gotten restricted free up. agency. Well, yeah, that's that's why everyone was like, oh, well, the Browns want to keep him another year, you know, but. Just looking more into this, you know, he's coming off the tarmac blacked out. As bad as Ray Farmer was, I'm happy that he didn't let him on the plane. Well, (laughs) his teammates would have probably kicked him off, too. Yeah. I I mean, the guy seemed very genuine in his his documentary, so hopefully he is a changed man. You know, here it says in Mary Kay's article, he said the long stint in rehab, which ended September 27th, changed him. Honestly, the whole experience has been humbling, and it's humbling every day, brutally so. So... Obviously, the Browns are, are, are going to be more concerned about him as a person getting healthy versus him being reinstated. But is there a way, I mean, even after seeing this documentary, that you would consider taking this guy back uh, on a football team that's so bad and, well, and doesn't really need that kind of influence? Well, the thing with him is he – so when you watch these documentaries, it's easy to root for him and you know feel a certain way because he's very smart. When he's talking, he underst- like he understands – that he's done wrong. He's not saying, let, Self-aware. let me back in the NFL. Like, I don't care. He's like, no, I know this is bad. It's just a matter of having the control, which sometimes is out of your own hands. You need to go to rehab like he did. But, yes, I think if he is truly clean and proves it, there's no reason why they shouldn't have him back because it would just be foolish not to. Because yeah. they have completely botched all their opportunities to upgrade the receiving core. They they traded out of the Carson Wentz pick to get Corey Coleman, who has a glass hand, and Jordan Payton, who's no longer here, Hollywood Higgins, my favorite, who barely plays, and Ricardo Lewis, who's decent. All those guys are the – it's like the same height, same skill set. Like none of them are particularly good at anything, and that's what's so None of them are really tall. None of them are slot no. receivers. Jordan Payton ran like a five five forty. Got suspended. <laughs> I mean, Ricardo Lewis, I'll give him credit. After he's played well, I think it, it the last couple games has been halfway decent. But man, I mean, just looking at that draft class as a whole, there's really not one person like even Joe Schobert, who flashed in the preseason, has none of those guys have really shown anything since being drafted. And that, that I think that's easily the most frustrating part of the top Sashi ones. Brown. Sean Coleman's playing well. 
as Joel mm. K documented on the site today. Emmanuel Ogba is playing well. Nassib is okay. He, he doesn't really have any moves. He's, he looks like a basketball player playing defensive. <laughs> He's end. easy to block. It's, He's got no frame. He's just yeah. he's thin. Cody Kessler stinks. He's from that class. Uh, let's and even this class, Zane Gonzalez, who's <laughs> on thin ice, or last year's class too with Spencer Drango. It's just the list goes on of this whole roster is filled with guys who just are bad, and now and like they can't cut them because they drafted all of them. And it, like you're stuck, it's like with Kenny Britt. Like, well, we we probably should cut him, but we signed him to a four year deal. Well, I mean, someone's got to produce. And when you look across the field, and Deshaun Watson's throwing to DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller, C.J. Fedorowicz, they is probably two running backs that are both better than any than either one the Browns have. You know, it, it, they set him up for success, and it's I would rather give up draft picks in this type of situation as the Texans to a team like the Browns who can never pick a player right, then, you know, pass up on a quarterback that could lead our team to the playoffs. The Texans got to the playoffs with a combination of Brock Osweiler and Tom Savage. And now look at what they and have. All in Browns Watson. fans are like, we really got them with those trades. Like, no, we literally took on Brock Osweiler's contract for nothing. There goes Sashi Brown being the smartest man in the room again. A top 60 pick. If they draft, maybe Josh Rosen slips to 55 or something. <laughs> I don't know, but it's like, oh, well, we really wanted that second-round pick. So instead of signing or keeping Joe Hayden or signing Terrell Pryor, we're going to take Brock Osweiler then cut him. And, and the funny thing is about Terrell Pryor and Joe Hayden, it's not like either of them are lighting the world on fire, but they're still better than what's on the field now. And that's that's the most frustrating part. It's like, why are you cutting these guys? And I I've, I think I've completely changed my tune from when all this happened because I tried to buy into the process. I tried to trust it. And, you know, I think I was fed up after about two weeks of watching this. After that Ravens game, I, it's just it, – it's, it's bad to watch. And you can tell from a mile away – that these guys have no idea what they're doing. They keep coming out and saying that, oh, these guys need to play better. They need to play better. Well, yeah, of course they need to play better, but I just don't think they're capable of doing it. And that's why people get mad at Hugh Jackson, too. They're like, oh, well, he said he was going to ride with Kaiser. And he, he, he had a good point this week. He's like, you know, I'm going to keep working with him, but I can't, like, basically, it's not a direct quote, but I can't, like, derail the season. Like, I still have to help our t- team win. Like, Kaiser's still going to be the backup. He's going to dress. He's going to work through it all week. But you can't throw a guy out there who has no field awareness or pocket awareness. No, he's he's not giving you a good chance, any chance to win. He's In fact, he's doing the opposite of that by turning the ball over so much. Inside so the I, 10. Yeah, and with Hugh Jackson's comments, I mean, I, he says he's ride or die. But that doesn't, like you said, that doesn't mean he needs to start all 16 games. You know, if he's coming in and playing like Tom Savage, you know, I'm sure they wanted to play Tom Savage more than two, two quarters of football. Uh, I think the Browns wanted to play Deshaun Kaiser all season, but he just needs to work on a, a quite a bit in order to be competitive or at least at the same level that Kevin Hogan is playing right now, which is probably even below average at this point. Yeah, and with no minor leagues in football, you essentially have to bench someone to help them get that extra experience. Because he, he, he started because he was the best option, not because he, like, he wasn't supposed to start. It was, all right, well, we just cut Osweiler 
So who's our best option? It was probably Kevin Hogan, honestly. Kaiser had the highest potential, but Hogan was probably the best option, and he was the fourth stringer. Looking at just how, kind of how that whole thing transpired, I know Mary Kay was all on Hugh Jackson like from the get-go saying that, that Deshaun Kaiser was going to start. And I was too because he does give you the most upside, but what I think I overlooked was look at <laughs> Mitchell Trubisky, Pat Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, technically all of those guys who were drafted before – Deshaun Kaiser, much, much higher. Than Top Deshaun 12 picks. Kaiser. They all sat behind somebody for some period of time. If their coaches didn't, if Kansas City, obviously they're not going to play Pat Mahomes because of Alex Smith and they're all playing lights out right now. But if they weren't, I would probably still think that he would sit out the whole year. Mitchell Trubisky, at that point, you have no choice but to go to Mitch over Mike Glennon. Glennon's probably still serviceable, but I mean, Mitchell's on the bench. He's way better whole. than Mike Glennon. Very much so. So, and and Deshaun Watson as well. I mean, you try to give these guys time, but if, if they're clearly superior to who's in front of them, then then you can put them in there. With Deshaun's Kaiser, Deshaun Kaiser's case being the fact that he won the job by default, you know, I think that's where Hugh Jackson was like, okay, yeah, he is my quarterback, but he wouldn't be if <laughs> I had a veteran like a guy like Josh McCown to roll with. And that know? goes back to the front office. It's Hugh oh, yeah. Jackson has to say. We're riding with Kaiser because he's a starter at the time. But it's like, okay, well, here's three guys who have never won a game, and they're all two years or less removed of college. Pick the best ones. And none of them are top prospects. It's also frustrating, too, because you look at a guy like Josh McCown, and I believe the Browns offered him, or Hugh Jackson ordered him, offered him a quarterback job, the quarterback's job, quarterback coach, not actual quarterback job. But – I wonder if Sashi Brown just made that decision at the end of the year that, like, we're moving on from Josh. Or if that was a decision that Josh made himself because I, I think Kaiser needs a veteran more than he needs playing time right now. He needs somebody there to know what the hell he's talking about. You know, it just bounce things off of and, and how to handle being benched, how to handle the criticism that goes along with being a shitty quarterback in the NFL. So... I think the Browns are severely lacking in that aspect, and it's not like a guy like Kevin Hogan who really hasn't gone through that, or Kessler who kind of has. But you know, again, they they all don't know their ass from a hole in the ground, and from that aspect, because they're all at the same point in their careers. And just having so, like most teams have a veteran backup. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a reason why guys like Chase Daniel keep getting contract extensions. Brandon Whedon is on the Tennessee Titans. He Brandon Whedon. Well, they is couldn't still bring him NFL. back. <laughs> then, he would come if back? he started again for the Browns, that would be so <laughs> ridiculous. I'd rather have Terrell Pryor start a quarterback. I'd rather have them bring him back as a quarterback than we did. That'd be so – well, he might be a better quarterback than wide receiver because he's not putting up anything in Washington, except for this week. He kind of did something, but I, I, he'd be better on the Browns. <laughs> I mean, it can't At least he'd have a receiver what, who's tall and fast. Yeah any sort of matchup nightmare that that can scare opposing defenses we just we let those guys walk out the door like next year duke johnson's a free is it this year or next year that duke is a free agent i'm not positive regardless he's gonna go sign with new england and be the new james white Deion lewis all combined into one and and he'll he'll play more than half the snaps even though he's the the, best player on the team and he won't according in the browns eyes if sashi brown's still there he won't be you know, oh, we we can Matthew Days is is better than Duke Johnson, so that that's why we drafted him. Like, don't give me that line of garbage. He's a seventh round pick, and Duke Johnson we took in the 
third or fourth round. He's proven to be the best playmaker on the roster. If he's not around, you know, I think that's that's a sign of the times with this front office. We, I'm getting way ahead of myself. We could though. go on for days. Maybe go on for Matthew days. We talk about some <laughs> dad joke <laughs> hour. Um, talk about some picks, some upsets. I have two. Shoot, I have not even looked. Hold did on. Did you one make second. your picks this week? I believe I did. Because if you don't make your picks, you shall be shamed. By myself, I would shame myself. No, Brandon <laughs> didn't make the picks last week and opened the door for everybody else to uh, to come back. That is so correct. Pretty happy about that. Let's see. Go ahead with your – are we starting off with the lock? We could do a lock. Well, there's so many locks. My lock this week – I mean, there's like 10, but you know what? I've taken Atlanta once. I won't do that again. I was going to take Atlanta over Miami, but that's just a cheap one. And I don't have the heart to take Houston over the Browns. That's my lock. So My lock <laughs> will be the Denver Broncos over the New York Giants. I just saw that one, too. That was probably because I mean, all three of those. The are... Gi- it's at Denver. The Giants are awful. <laughs> and if, if Denver's got a spot on, or like, really, really good pass defense already – who is going to get open for the Giants? I mean, if, if there's a, a time where their running game could get going, I think it's that week, this week against Denver. All right, I will shift to my upset, which is, I believe, on the spread and on CBS where we do our picks, the L.A. Rams over the Jaguars in Jacksonville. I think the Rams should be favorites in that game. I'm actually just switching my pick now because I, I'm just confident in that Jacksonville secondary. Wow. You have been yeah. a secret Jags fan for the past six months. I have a lot been. of I think we've probably talked about them the most of any other team. Well, I mean, just looking at how like they spend money in free agency and look at where they're at. Like on Tashawn Gibson, former this. Brown who had a big game last week. Malik Jackson, Miles Jack they have now, Jalen Ramsey. I mean, talk about adding pieces to a defense when your offense is really not that good. You know, they they got a, they have a couple receivers in Allen Robinson and Marquise Lee, but Obviously, if the quarterback position is still a question mark, or if he's not, if you're questioning whether he's not your franchise guy, then just go get as many talented players on both sides of the ball as possible. That's the, that should be the philosophy, and I don't see the Browns doing that. So that's why I like Jacksonville as much. So as So what's I your do. upset then? My I didn't even give you my lock yet. Oh my my lock's going to be Houston over the Browns. I think there's wow. a zero percent chance they win that game. Well, CBS it says uh, two. Uh, yeah, I don't even think. I have an upset. I'm trying to look at just the percentages. I don't know what the spreads are off the top of my head. I think I'm going to have to go with Detroit over New Orleans is another upset of mine. Is that, or did you take the saints? I took New Orleans. Wow. Yeah. And New Orleans coming off a bye. Perhaps you're looking at Pittsburgh over the chiefs. That could be an upset. No, no, no. You don't have to have an upset. I mean, if you're I riding I mean, all favorites, I don't think I have one. Yeah. I got a, I have Green Bay over Minnesota, New England over the Jets. I mean, these are all games that are like – because once you get to week six in the season, you kind of get a feel for how these teams play out. But I'll go with with Detroit over New Orleans. I'll say it on the air. I don't think I'll pick it in real life. I just think New Orleans coming off a bye. It's an upset to watch for. Yeah, if I had to pick one, I'd pick Detroit over New Orleans. Which is still a pretty evenly matched game. Yeah. And as we know, my uh, my final pick has already been decided, which is Houston over the Browns. That's a bummer. I think it's going to be about 30, I say 38-16 Cleveland. Or oh! Houston, got it. <laughs> 
38-16 Houston. Total turn the face right there. <laughs> Cleveland! <laughs> oh! Just rip off my shirts at NWO like, Cleveland rocks! I'm going to say 31-17. to 17. All right. Cool, cool. Because the Browns are going to put up some points in the fourth quarter. Garbage time. That's why I'm, I'm starting Garbage Kevin time All-Stars. in fantasy. I just want that. I want those rushing yards as fantasy points. I need all the help I can get. I got Njoku for those two fourth quarter touchdowns. Okay, so as we're going to end the show, Steven, I have an over-under for you. or I don't know if, it, if it's necessarily over-under, but who has more rushing yards in this football game, Kevin Hogan or Isaiah Crowell? Oh, Kevin Hogan. They're going to run a lot of uh, <laughs> RPOs. That, that, was my, uh, that was my pick, That's too. not even just, a uh, thinker. That's easy. Yeah. And it's not frustrating. Well, we can't and not even run. more rushing yards, more rushes. Yeah, even more frustrating. I think you had a quote this week that was like, oh, what do you think changed in your run game this I called week? it more. Like, I, I called it more. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, good. We've only been saying it for five weeks. But I think that's about all we have to say about this this week. It's 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 tough. The Indians lost. The, maybe the Browns get a win Sunday and LeBron's not going to play in the opener. Kyrie's dissing Cleveland. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's just – it's. Uh, gray out it's just not a good time no to I, I wanted to be like Kyrie Kyrie not now not now the Indians are losing we don't need your dumb quotes uh, he sounds like a guy that's sad that we're not as upset that he's gone he's like the Kevin Durant villain like he's trying to or like the Warriors they're like we're villains yeah. it's like no Kyrie you're just no one cares yeah but we'll like <laughs> we'll be back per usual Sunday recording Sunday after the game to air it on Monday Probably with our disappointment and, and maybe on the slight, slight chance that they have a victory, it'll be a Browns victory Monday. We could finally have the intro come true and have a party on Monday. I always listen to the intro when I'm editing and I go, oh, man. <laughs> We're never going to have a party, are we? <laughs> it's always a bummer. All right. With that being said, I'm Andrew signing off for Stephen Kibitza and the Dog Pound Daily Podcast. We'll see you next week.